and welcome to Faith Facts with Father Howard. I'm Lindsay, here with Father Howard, and on today's episode, we will be discussing Holy Week. So here we go. And this is Father Howard. Welcome. It's good to have you all with us, and it's great to be working with Lindsay. Uh, she's been a real great partner in, in this whole project. Oh, man, thanks. <laughs> She is blushing. Um, <laughs> this week, uh, we, we really want to talk about uh, Holy Week. And and uh, in Holy Week, really, you know, it's we've talked about Palm Sunday. So this is really Monday through the Easter Vigil, uh, which includes then what is called the Sacred Triduum, as opposed to tritium. Uh, that's I think I believe that's a medal or an item or something like that. But the triduum, uh, the sacred three days, which are so terribly important. Okay, but you don't say vacuum. No, but uh, vacuum is not a Latin word. Triduum is. Fine, fine. <laughs> the um. One of the initial questions when we started with Lent, a gentleman emailed uh, me and asked me, what does it mean to celebrate Easter well? Well, there there is an answer to that question when we talk about what it means to celebrate Easter well. And it really can go back to saying, what does it mean to celebrate anything well? One is that we prepare. We know what we're entering into. We, we, um, We anticipate the possibilities. If someone were to say, you know, they were going to a, I should say, I have a, a dear friend who lives in Racine that loves the Packer games. Okay, that's great. She celebrates it well. You know, how she dresses, how she, how, what the foods that she prepares, all of those things help for her to enhance the experience when she goes up to, to Green Bay and watches the games. Now, how much of the game she sees, who knows. But she did tell me, she said she has never had to pay for food virtually at all because she makes jello shots. <laughs> What's in them is probably a secret recipe, but she shares these and with people when they're tailgating, and they give her brats and burgers and you name it, they they, they probably have it. And, and I'm just amazed at times what people cook at these things. She knows how to celebrate that well, that game well. I went to a game, and I went to a game, <laughs> and because you know, I will I go to another game? Probably not. Um, for me, one, it was not that great of an experience. I was annoyed by people standing up in front of me cheering. I was annoyed by people. people. I I tell you, I was annoyed by people, you know, being too rowdy around me. I was annoyed by the food being thrown. I, I was more annoyed at the game than anything else. So will I go to another game? Probably not, because I don't know. I am not interested in celebrating it well. I don't prepare for it. Um, so that, someone who knows the game and enjoys the game knows how to celebrate the game. I would say the same principles apply when it comes to Easter. You don't just jump into Easter Sunday having never gone to Mass for the past six months and saying, I'm supposed to be able to celebrate this. One, do we even know why we're there? 
too, you know, and, and it's good that people are there. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I always welcome people there, you know, no matter what brings them, whether it's, you know, great faith, it's, it's, uh, they were, you know, threatened not having, a, you know, Easter brunch if they didn't go, or, you know, it's the one time that they go to make their mom or dad happy. Whatever brings them there, I'm glad they're there. But, Unfortunately, too often those folks don't necessarily know how to celebrate it well because they haven't prepared. In many ways, when we talk about Holy Week, it's the preparation. It's getting ourselves geared up for it. It's, it's opening ourselves to the way God works. It's opening ourselves to the divine hand in our lives. It's, it's opening our minds and our hearts. It's like doing all of that prep work that somebody does for a Packer game. In many ways, it's, it's, it's the same kind of thing, but only on a spiritual level. And so when we look at this Holy Week, the, the principles that govern Holy Week, when you think about it, is that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday really are to bring into a focus of, of the passion and, and, and what it meant for Jesus to be that righteous one, what it meant you know, for him to go through this. It's, it brings our focus. The readings bring our focus you know, to, that, to that point. But the, uh, and, the, and then when you have the sacred three days, the tree room, is that it is, it really weighs, it's separate rites. One de- definition is, <coughs> excuse me, it's separate rites uh, that we, we celebrate. It's our communal rec- com- commemoration and participation in the one Paschal mystery of Jesus. It's really entering into the whole experience, the Eucharist. You know the agony in the garden, the the, uh, the the death and resurrection. It's it's communal. It's a communal commemoration, but just more than a commemoration. It's an entering into that time, or maybe a nice way to put it too would be letting the time enter into us so that Eucharist enters into us and changes us. So what it means to grieve and to mourn and and to suffer enters into us so that we can participate in it. Um, What it means for us to wait for that light and and to vigil, what it really means to vigil. I've often thought I wanted to vigil, you know, what they, they do sometimes from midnight on and be able to celebrate, you know, the Eucharist at a sunrise. I often thought that would be really cool. And there are groups that literally take it from midnight all the way into sunrise. They do all of the readings, and there are seven readings in the vigil. They do all of the readings. They do all of the music, or they add music to it. Um, People come and go because it's a vigil. It means that you're there for a while and step out and and maybe have a a cup of coffee, and then you come back in and vigil more and, and focus and it's all of that stuff that allows this whole time to enter into us so that we really have a much better sense to, to celebrate well that Easter event. Are you talking about vigils starting that Saturday night or like... Thursday night? Or? It's really starting the Saturday okay. night that when I okay. speak of the vigil. Um, now, there is a vigiling that can go on uh, the other days, and, and, and there's also the, the Paschal fast that, that can take place. Again, it's, it's a way to open ourselves more and more readily. I am sure, going back to my Packer game, I am sure that if I had prepared myself well, if I had really geared myself, maybe if I had a few of my friend's jello shots, 
Yeah. Might have helped. <laughs> might have helped the experience. You might have been throwing something and then versus yeah. being thrown at, yes. You know, it, it, it may have, but that's what it means, you know, to really engage it. And, and, and too often, unfortunately, um, the, the sacred triduum and the whole Holy Week is, is not really engaged well. And, and part of that is just the practicality of people's lives. Sometimes it's because for colleges, sometimes it might be an exam week. For other time, places, colleges, high schools, grade schools, it might be the, the Easter break that they have at that time, which I always thought was, was so unfortunate because... You know, people going off to the beach or Disney World, rather than entering this, and then once they've entered this sacred time, go off to the Disney World the week after, mm-hmm. because then you're at a much better place spiritually, you might say. But the culture is as the culture is, and and, and we have to sometimes resist the pull of the culture that says, forget this part, forget the Holy Week piece, and, and go enjoy yourself someplace else. Um, that's unfortunate because it, it, it's, it, again, we can lose that whole sense of the sacred time that we have. And so, as I mentioned, Monday through Thursday, really focus on the passion and, and the time around the passion. Um, but the, the sacred tree to room, that really, um, that really focuses on three major events. My favorite part of yeah. the liturgical year. I, I agree. And there is so much happening. There is such a richness, as you're saying, you know, in the readings, in the music, in the, you might say, the dramatic uh, um, expressions mm-hmm. of, of, the, of these sacred things. That to me, if, if, if truly... Truly, you know, we were entering this time. There would be times we would be grieving and crying our eyes out, and there would be other times we'd be standing up and dancing in the aisles. And and maybe sometimes we're a little too German, or, you know, or or European for or that. We'd be polka in the yeah, aisles. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> um, but but we would be we would be dancing in the aisles, you know, to as we genuinely grasp uh, again. You know, I think of the Packer game, everybody, you know, standing up and cheering. Well, we all know what happened. They got it into the end zone. Big, hairy deal. It's like that never happened before. And yet, you know, and yet they're standing up screaming their crazy heads off. We would be doing the same thing even more if we really, really grew in an understanding of what we're celebrating. And you know what's interesting, Lindsay? If I were to ask you... um, Oh no, a quiz. With the the sacred tree room, what do we celebrate? And you would probably say to me, what do the three days remind us of? Passion, death, resurrection, yay. All of those. Okay. But most folks would say, well, it's, you know, in, in, in kind of gathering all that together, most folks would say, well, well, on Holy Thursday, we remember, you know, Jesus in the, in the Mass. And on Good Friday, we remember that the Passion. And on Easter, uh, Holy Saturday, we remember, you know, the resurrection, you know, mm-hmm. and vigil, all of that. And then on Easter Sunday, here's Jesus, you know. But see, what we tend to do is that we tend to put it in a historical context that a moment in time. We remember a moment in time. Yeah. And that's really not what we're doing at all. 
It's it's not about remembering some historical thing that happened on these three days. Um, Did these events take place? Place? Yes, they did. We know that. We know that not only our faith stance says that, we know it from a historical vantage point. These events took place. If that's all it was, big hairy deal. You know, it's, you know, the Declaration of Independence was signed. You know, um, the nuclear bomb was set off. Uh, there, there was a time of war. Is that... If all it was was a remembering of historical events, then I would say I would probably approach it like I would a a Packer game. Big hairy deal. (laughs) You know, it's just, it doesn't make any difference. But what we are looking at here, um, and see, even the other thing is, is that we see, you know, that uh, kind of the triduum just simply is the parallel, you know, to Christmas, is that in winter, we have Christmas. In spring, we have Easter. And we have the parallel celebrations, you might say, so that we can kind of tell time. But see, Christmas is meaningless. It's meaningless without the Easter event. It has no meaning. It has no value to us. A child was born. Millions of children have been born. But this was a different event that took place. This was just no ordinary child. This was the divine entering into our human condition. But even that, so? It's the Easter event that gives us meaning. So when we think about what it means to celebrate Eucharist, when we are talking about the fact that we literally, as Augustine would put it, we become what we consume. That's a powerful statement. What do we consume? The body and the blood of the risen Lord. We become what we consume. We become that presence. Um, so, and even in our in our funeral rites, for example, it says, "So that we sh- we shall become like Him. We shall see Him <coughs> as He is." Um, in 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 part of the Eucharistic prayer, that's. Wow! <laughs> I mean, wow! Mm-hmm. Um, when you look at, for example, you know, the, the uh, passion of what it means to grieve, what it means to suffer, and we've all grieved, each of us have somehow grieved something. All of us have suffered somehow. Each of us, I suspect, in ways has shed our own tears because of great loss. Sometimes it's maybe great joy, but all of us have had that experience of loss and betrayal. And and we not only recall that, but in many ways we relive it. It becomes real and present to us like like never before. And, And when we look at the vigil, you know, what it means to wait and to, to remember, to, to sit around and to tell the stories of what it means to, to be brought out of Egypt and freedom and, and, and the, the wretchedness of, how, of, of humanity, of how wretched we can be. And yet, how quickly God seems to forgive and give us another shot at it when we certainly don't deserve it. But when we have experienced forgiveness by someone, we didn't deserve it. Lord knows we didn't deserve it. 
You know, I often think about, you know, even parents with their kids. We don't deserve our parents' love. We certainly didn't earn it. What have we done? We've eaten them out of house and home. We've demanded from them. We've betrayed them. We've probably said things to them we should never have said. You know, foolish things like, you don't want me to be happy. Or we look in our closets and we say something foolish like, I have nothing to wear in this dumb place. Or we look in the refrigerator that is filled with food and we say, why isn't there anything decent to eat in this dumb place? We say these kinds of things to people who give this freely because they love us. And then we do dumb things and they still forgive us. We say these foolish things and we do even worse to God. And we tell the stories of how bad we have been and we also tell the stories of how good we've been. And we remind, of, we remind one another of how wonderful this God has been to us. And even that if we were the only person on earth, we believe that Jesus would have done this exact same thing just for us. It's not about just remembering. It's, it's in a way, making it come alive. In a way, it's, it's, it's similar, as I've said before in a, in a bit, I believe, it's when, for example, when our Jewish brothers and sisters uh, remember the Seder meal. You know, this is not just about, again, remembering a historical event of the people of Israel coming out of Egypt. This is bringing alive and bringing present in a real way through the grace and power of God the fact there is still freedom taking place. There is still the coming out of Egypt in our own right. And it might be an addiction. It might be a bad relationship. It might be whatever. But we are still being freed from that which enslaves us. We are still being protected from that which would destroy us. We are still rejoicing for the God who forgives us even though we don't deserve it. All of that is mixed up when you think about the, the Seder meal prayers and, and what they not only remember, <coughs> but in a way make present again. We do, we're doing the same thing. We're doing the same thing with these three key events called Holy Week, called the Sacred Triduum. So that when, as we do, as we do, you know, we can then come to Easter Sunday and celebrate Easter well. You know, we ought to be dancing, you know, like they did after crossing the Red Sea. We ought to be dancing like David did, you know. Uh, and we, you know, in, in so many ways, we fail to understand the significance of this. And, and I do too. I mean, this is, you know, this is not my great insight. This is what we as a church have been trying to help people to see for centuries. For centuries. And, and you want to say sometimes to folks, open yourselves to the experience. See what God is offering. See what God has accomplished through the life, death, you know, suffering, death, and resurrection of his son, Jesus. Well, and that's why I always liked Holy Week. I'm just going to go with Holy Week. <laughs> Holy Week masses because... Holy Thursday, you're see, usually seeing someone wash feet. So it brings it to the present. You know, it's yeah, not just yeah. something that happened in the past. This is happening now. There's 12 people and we're, someone's washing their sure. feet. And then on Good Friday, you usually you're venerating the cross. You're putting yourself there. <coughs> on mm-hmm. Easter, or the, Holy, the Easter Vigil, you're in darkness in the church until you get to the 
the New Testament, and it's just, you know, it's a visual representation of... Uh, it's just a perfect way to put yourself into... Absu- and, and hopefully these things, these things are able to anchor us, that these historical events really do anchor us, you know... Um, in order to celebrate these mysteries. But when we think about, you know, washing of feet, they tried to wash hands for a while at different places. It's just not the same. You know, but when have we washed the feet of someone? When we have served that? What's interesting with John's gospel, there is no mass, there is no Eucharist, you know, there, it's none of that. It's, it's the washing of the feet. That's what's the center of John, you know, when, when people, you know, were probably during his time saying, we need to help us recognize this is more than just if we break bread. What this is about is literally getting on our hands and knees and serving. I think of, of, of examples in many ways with people in nursing homes. Um, there was a, a gentleman, I remember this goes back to Union Grove days, and uh, I remember having a mass and talking to a gentleman. Uh, he had been married to his spouse for 75 years. She was now in the, in the nursing home, and he came there every day to feed her breakfast and lunch. Hmm. Every day. Talk about washing feet. Every day. And I'm thinking, wow, I have a feeling that when they were married 70 plus years ago, that they never dreamed, that he never dreamed, that one day when they were in their 90s, that he would be feeding her because she couldn't remember necessarily how to feed herself. That he would gather there every single day and she wouldn't have a clue, a clue of who he was. Mm. You know, at one moment, it's interesting because he said that, uh, you know, of of uh, her, you know, thinking, oh, my gosh, I can't, you know, uh, I can't get to like you too much. And he said, well, why? And he said, because my husband would be angry. <laughs> you, you, you know, you think about something like that. Um, wow. Uh, we, we, you know, I guess it just it can bring tears to your eyes. And yet, isn't that what washing feet demands? of caring for those. And, and I think of caring for my own mom and, and, and what my sisters had to do. And, and, and I, I helped as much as I could, but my sisters did so much in caring for my mother when she was not well, when she couldn't speak on her own behalf. Um, you think about what it means to truly suffer. I mean, to truly suffer. You know, we, we sometimes, you know, um, think that great suffering is because we didn't get the Christmas present we want, didn't we wanted, you know, or, or got the wrong size sweater, you know, big hairy deal. I mean, when you really think of, of people that are, are truly suffering, and now today, when you think of, of the people with this whole is- issue of the coronavirus, um, the, the suffering that is taking place, mm-hmm. the suffering, you know, people losing jobs and, and, and families and, and, and I think sometimes too of, of folks not being able to go into nursing homes and see their loved ones. Um, there is true, genuine suffering, agony, agony. That is a cross they have to bear. It, it, it helps to bring a come alive that's recognized Jesus knew all of this. He knew what it meant to suffer and, and to, to go through that kind of pain. Thinking of waiting, I think of the waiting and the vigiling, you know, a, a experience when people waiting at the bedsides of their loved ones. Um, Waiting for, you know, for all sorts of things in our, in our lives that 
we could never have imagined or anticipated growing up. Um, and all of that is part of, of how we open ourselves to that and, and, and knowing that when we go through that suffering and service and agony and all of that, that God is right there next to us. God never abandons. He's right there next to us. And, and, and we, you know, we think of the Psalm 23, though I walk in the valley of darkness, I fear no evil, you know, because you're there at my side. Yeah, wow. Those are powerful things. And, and as we go through all of that, to know that we come out the other side with Easter joy. Easter joy, life, not death, life. It's, it's life that wins, not death. And so, you know, to genuinely suffer that, to genuinely, I should say genuinely not suffer that, celebrate that, we ought to be dancing in the aisles. We ought to be dancing in the aisles. Um, God is good to us. Mm -hmm. God is good to us. So just some logistical questions. Sure. Does Lent end on Palm Sunday and then Holy Week, is that a separate thing or is Lent all the way through to Easter? Lent really goes, well, Lent really goes through to Holy Thursday okay. when you end with the, the sacred tree to room. And then that, that, that is like one big honking, you know, celebration because at the end of, of uh, Holy Thursday, you don't, you don't end. Yeah. And, you know, it just, it kind of, it's put on pause a bit for adoration time for some folks, but it's, it's one big triple celebration that flows, one flows into the next, is that it just picks up, even, even the ritual doesn't have, you know, uh, like an opening rit rite or whatever, just right into the prayer. And then mm -hmm. Good Friday ends and it moves right into then, you know, the vigil. Yeah, there's no opening song no. on Good Friday or anything. No, it's, it's one big, one big thing. thing. And Which that, is so fun. Yeah, it, it really is. And when celebrate again, when celebrated well, people people catch it. Mm -hmm. People catch it because at times I've been. I said, "Well, Father Howard, you forgot the sign of the cross." I said, "Oh no, 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 no. We did that at the beginning of Holy Thursday." <laughs> well, what do you mean? It's one big celebration that one flows into these events flow into the other, which allows us to celebrate Easter. Mm -hmm. uh, if you go to the Easter vigil. Are you supposed to come back the next day for an Easter Sunday Mass? Uh, no, no, you don't have to. I always invite people to do that. But I no, mean, you always do. Uh, right, so. <laughs> yes. Um, no, the Easter Vigil, in a sense, counts for um, you know, the Sunday celebration. So mm -hmm. if one attends the Vigil, one does not have, is not obligated to attend on Easter Sunday. Like I said, I always invite people to do so because the focus is a little different. Focus is a little different. Yeah. So how come on Holy Thursday you can finally do the Gloria? Again, it, part of it is because of what we're celebrating is that the the Eucharist being, as they say, the source and summit of, of, of what who and what we are is that it's, it's almost like how can you suppress, in a sense, not doing the Gloria, because it is recognizing uh, the, the, the tremendous gift that, that the Eucharist is to us. Mm -hmm. And so that glory is an, an expression of that. But, but you, as you see, is that as soon as we do that, we almost shift right back mm -hmm. into the, into the uh, uh, going toward the Holy uh, Good Friday, Friday type of thing. But it's like, how can you suppress a Gloria 
when we are celebrating such a wonderful and marvelous event that we celebrate virtually any other day except Good Friday. You know, it's, it's just wonderful, just to kind of bring a little bit to a closure, is that we really are blessed as a church. These are some of the, the richest days that we have. And, and as a church, we really pull out all stops. Um, we'll be a little bit, um, you know, curtailed this year because of the circumstances, of sure. course. But boy, when we are able to do it well, there is nothing like ritual to, just like good art or good music, it touches the heart and the soul in the way that just a finger painting can't necessarily do. Mm-hmm. But you hear a song and, and we are brought to tears. You see a, a piece of art and, and it's like our, our spirits soar. You, you hear... You know, you see a ritual and, and we are moved in such a way that we lose a sense of time and place. Uh, th- these are great times. And, and uh, I just invite folks that wherever you might be to really to try to celebrate them as best you can, uh, however you can, because they really they really change us. They, the hand of God is in the midst of so much of that. And they really do change us when we open ourselves to it. So. Hopefully, you'll be able to, to join someplace and celebrate this sacred, sacred time. Absolutely. It's the best time of the year. Amen. Liturgical year. <laughs> Amen. Amen. All right. Well, that's all for this time. We will see you next time.